0: Last week we talked about the, obviously, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and how that is the pivotal point in Christian uh, relationship, Christian history, and Christian faith. Um, but I want to look at today about what happened right after the resurrection. And there's, all the Gospels give a varying account on that, but we're going to look at Luke's Gospel because it has a story that I want to look at this morning. So let's see what's happening in Luke's Gospel right after the resurrection. Luke 24.1 says this, But very early on Sunday morning, the women came to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. So now we have Easter morning, resurrection morning, very early. They're heading to the tomb to, I assume, to finish the burial ritual, anoint Jesus' body with spices and oils and things that they do for their burial ritual. But, and as you can see, they don't expect him to be alive. They expect him to be dead. So they arrive at the tomb, stone's gone. They went inside, Jesus' body's gone, disappeared. Now, a couple of angels were there and they told them, told the ladies that he he is risen. He's alive, he's risen from the dead. And they go back home. They run back home to tell the folks back home. But when they get there, they tell them, but these guys don't even believe. Luke 24, verse 10. They told the apostles what had happened, but the story sounded like nonsense, so they didn't believe. Now, think about that for a moment. How often, how many times did Jesus tell them that this was going to happen? He told them about the suffering, he told them about the crucifixion, and he told them about being raised from the dead. And yet they didn't believe. Now there are several scriptures that talk about that. I'm not going to read them, but if you want to look them up, uh, they are Matthew 16:21, Matthew 17, 22, Matthew 20, verse 17, Luke 9:22, Luke 9:44, 9, or 9.22, 9.20, or 9.44. Luke 18 31. These are all verses that Jesus told them what was going to happen. So, right now, the apostles were living discouraged and defeated lives. Why? Jesus told them what was going to happen, told them numerous times. The Old Testament told them numerous times what was going to happen. So, we can only assume one of three things were going on here either they weren't listening to Jesus when he's talking, They forgot what Jesus told them was going to happen, or they didn't believe Jesus when he was telling them that. And I thought about that. How often do we either not know what God's word says, forget what God's word tells us, or not believe what the Bible tells us? Now, during this quarantine, we're all facing struggles and hardships, but does that mean we have to live a defeated life? Does that mean we have to always be negative and defeated like the apostles were? Do we forget what God said during this time? Now, the apostles, the man they believed to be their Messiah, all their hopes were on him, and in their eyes, he was gone. He He died. And to them, all hope was lost. Now, in the midst of this quarantine that we're in now, do we feel defeated? Do we feel discouraged? Do we get hopeless at times? Some of us might, some of us might not. But let's look at what else was going on that same day. Luke 24, 13 says this. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles outside of Jerusalem. So here, another two followers of Christ leaving the city, leaving Jerusalem, and heading north, heading home. They were leaving the epicenter of what God was doing, where God was. Now, they witnessed the crucifixion. They witnessed the death of Jesus. But again, These guys also did not believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe what Jesus said. Their lack of knowledge once again allowed them to be discouraged and felt defeated. And I'm here to tell you that every opportunity the enemy has to bring you down and discourage you, he will use and abuse. He will magnify every situation. He will do whatever he can to bring you down, to discourage you, and defeat you in this life. During this quarantine we're in now, it's easy to look at everything going on around us, all the news reports and this, that, and now all the other stuff that's going on, and only focus on that. Only focus on what is right in front of us. And that's exactly what these guys were doing. Luke 24:14 says, as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. It's easy to get caught up and that be the only thing you talk about all day long all night long watch every newscast every press conference and they're all out there 24-7 they're out there talking about this and it's easy to focus on that and allow that to discourage you and not see Jesus in the middle of it now it's okay to discuss it it's okay to have it as a point of conversation as long as we don't leave God out of the picture as long as we don't let that consume our lives remember we talked a couple weeks ago about devotional who's in control Ultimately, God's in control. And if God's in control of this, then it means God's in the center of it. So, now these folks were going through a hard time, but they failed to see what God was doing right in the middle of it. Now, who orchestrated the crucifixion? Whose plan was it that Jesus would be crucified? It was God's. It was God's plan. Isaiah 53.10 says this, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and fill him with grief. I'm talking about Jesus. So in that hardship, in that horrible time in Jesus' life, was orchestrated by God, which means God was in the middle of it and God was bringing something out of it that these folks didn't realize. And the point is, it's easy to focus on the negative. It's easy to focus on the crucifixion. Without remembering the resurrection, what God did through that. Don't look at the hardship Look at what outcome may come and will come from what God's doing. What, think about this. What can God bring out of hardship and pain? If the Bible says that God works all things together for good, and it does, how can God do this? How can God bring hardship out of pain? He does. Great example. Labor pains bring newborn babies, right? That pain brings you something that is awesome. Jesus' crucifixion brought about something that was awesome, the salvation of mankind. What can God do through this? People may come to know Christ through this. Your family, my family, my friends may come to know Christ through this. And who knows? Revival may even break out. If we as Christians keep praying that God continues to move through this to touch the lives of the people that are actually hurting and need God's touch right now, and then God comes through in their life and draws them to himself, revival could break out. I like this quote from Leonard Ravenhill. He says this, At God's counter, his sales counter, there are no, quote, sales days, for the price of revival is ever the same. And that price is travail. And travail just simply means painful or laborious effort in unpleasant experience or situation. Revival usually doesn't come when things are going well. Rev- Revival comes after we walk through difficult times and seek God through the difficult times. Luke 24, 15, story goes on. Suddenly Jesus himself came along and joined them and began walking beside them. But they didn't know who he was because God kept them from recognizing him. And which brings us to the title of this, this sermon. How often do we go, go through hardships? and not see Jesus in the middle of it. It's easy to focus on the storm, but not focus on the Lord walking on the water in the storm. These two walking to Emmaus, the, the apostles back home, they were all focused on the discouragement, the recent negative experience they had. But they didn't recognize Jesus and what he was doing in that situation. He went through the hardship because the hardship brought about the resurrection. And the resurrection, as we taught last week, is the, is the center point, is the focal point of Christianity. Luke 24:17, the story goes on and says, You seem to be in a deep discussion about something, Jesus says. What are you so concerned about? They stop short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there this last few days. And Jesus almost gets kind of humorous here. He says, what things? What are you talking about? You know, it's easy when you can't go anywhere and you're stuck home and you can't do anything. It's easy to sit around and murmur and complain about how bad it is or how wrong it is. And we fail to see what Jesus is doing in the middle of it. Who knows what God is doing right now? In the middle of this or whatever situation, whatever negative situation you face, you don't see what God is doing in the middle of it. And these folks, these two guys, they explained who they thought Jesus was, their perception of Jesus. Verse 19 says, these things happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet who did wonderful miracles. He was a mighty teacher, highly regarded by both God and all the people. Think about what they were saying they were saying things that were true about jesus but also things that the old testament told them was going to happen all the prophecies spoken about jesus have been fulfilled and these verses are basically those prophecies and it was basically right in front of them they were explaining something to jesus of who he was but they didn't connect the dots they didn't quite get it and you know i thought about this you, you ever play hot and cold games with your kids in other words, you hide something and when they get close to it, you say you're hot, you're hot, you're hurt, you're burning up. When they get away from it, you say cold. We were playing this the other day with my grandkids, and we had hid some stuff in the yard. And we kept, they were getting close to it, and we were saying, You're you're on fire, you're burning, you're burning, and it's right in front of them. And no matter how much we said, you are on fire, you're so hot, they missed it. They couldn't they couldn't see the thing that we hid. And that's exactly what was happening with these guys. They... They saw everything they it was right in front of them. But they didn't they didn't get it, they didn't connect the dots. Luke 24, 19, they go on and says, But our leading priests and other religious leaders arrested him and handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had thought he was the Messiah who would come to rescue Israel. And that all happened three days ago. Again, only focusing on the immediate, only focusing on the hardship that they were experiencing right now. Now we think sometimes as Christians that we should be immune to this stuff, right? That we that all this bad stuff shouldn't happen to believers. But if you know God's word, you know it's not true. John 16, 33, Jesus says, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. It's going to happen. It's happening now. If you're affected by this, it's happening. If you're affected by something else, if you're seeing this at a later date, you're going through something more difficult in your life. The Bible says... Don't be surprised that these things happen to you. But the verse also concludes by saying, take heart. I've overcome the world. I've overcome that situation. I've been there. I've walked through it. And when you get through it, because I'm helping you through it, you're going to see, you're going to turn around and see all the things that I did during this difficult situation. So the folks on the uh, road in verse 25 says this back in Luke 24. Then Jesus said to them, You are such foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted by the prophets that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? You know, sometimes it's so easy to forget all the promises that we have. We have those God's promise books, we have them written down, our Bibles are highlighted. But the minute that bad times come, we forget them. We forget God's promises. And Jesus says, All these things were written for you. You know them. They're in the Old Testament. They're in, at that point, the Bible. And you didn't see it. This is where it goes back to the beginning. We better know what God's Word says. We better not forget what God's Word has already told us, things we've studied. And you better believe what it says. What's he say? Never leave you, never forsake you. It seems like God's not with us at times. Whatever situation you're facing, a hard, difficult time, maybe you feel like God's not there. But again, going back to the devotional, it's not about feelings. It's about fact. God is there. God says he's your provider. He uses jobs to provide for you. But the job itself isn't the the provider. God's a provider. And if you don't have a job, if you trust God, God will make it some way to provide for you. Now, I can attest to that because God has always been faithful to me. When things were looking bad, it was God always met the need. And we have various testimonies throughout our church of the same thing, how it was just, it seemed on paper impossible for God's provision to come through. But yet at the last minute, God came through. Now, how do we take this time of quarantine and hardship and turn ourselves around? How can we be excited about what we think God might be doing right now? Verse 27. Then Jesus quoted passages from the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining what all the scriptures had said about himself. I wrote this down because it really encapsulates for me. And it's this. I found that more that I stay with God, the better I feel about whatever situation it is. However, The more I listen to everybody else, news, whatever, the less like Christ I become. I get agitated. I get angry. I get all the the human emotions, all the flesh coming up inside of me. But the more I dig into God's word, peace of God fills me up. I'm just saying that if you need God's peace, if you're in a situation where you're struggling right now, don't listen to everybody else. Listen to what God's word says. Whatever they're saying is going to come to pass, if they're working on it, that's fine. Take this time to really press into God. The world can't give you peace. Newscasts can't give you peace. I can't give you peace. God's word can give you peace. Don't let this time slip by all agitated by what's going on. Use this as a time to really allow God to minister, to give you the peace that passes understanding, which is the ability. The peace that comes when you feel like you shouldn't have it. That's what it is. That's what that means. And I find that the more you get into God's word, the more you want God's word. I've sat down to read, you know, one chapter at a time. If I can just read one chapter, I'm good. But now I find myself reading two and three because I want to get into it. I want it. the more I read, the more I want. Now Luke 24, 28 says this. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus would have gone on, but they begged him to stay the night with them since it was getting late. Now, when I said, you know, the more you get God's word, the more you want God's word. That's what's happening with these two. God was telling them about prophets and they they couldn't get enough. He said, no, stay, stay with us. We want to know more. And this, this next event kind of talks about what Jesus spoke about in Revelation to the church in Laodicea. If you remember this, it says this, and I've used this verse a lot of times in our services. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me calling and open the door, I will come in. And I like this version. It says, and we will share a meal as friends. Wow. So they invited him in. Luke 24.29 says, so they went, he went home with them as they sat down to eat. He took a small loaf of bread, asked God's blessing on it, and then gave it to him. Now, this wasn't communion. This was just an ordinary meal. And how often do we recognize Jesus, his provision, his blessing in just everyday situations, ordinary things, ordinary situations in our life? When we focus on meeting together to have a dinner, a meal, whatever it is we're doing, which is ordinary, do we recognize that Jesus is with us at that point, whether we feel like it or not? Now, what happens when we focus on God and not the situation around us? Verse 31 says, suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized recognized him. When you focus on God, you begin to see what God is working out. You begin to see how God is ministering to people, to you, to meeting your need. And you know what? Your discouragement disappears. And then now the Holy Spirit is able to get in and encourage you. Like I said, I can't do it. Other people can't do it. Holy Spirit is what encourages you. Luke 24, 32 says, They said to each other, Didn't our hearts feel strangely warm as He talked with us on the road and explained the Scriptures to us? When you read God's Word, you realize His promises, you understand them, you apply them to your life, you know what happens? Your heart's encouraged man, God said this, I believe it. God's going to do this for me. God's going to take care of me. God's going to get me through this fire, whatever it might be. Verse 33 says, and within the hour they were on their way back to Jerusalem with the, where the 11 disciples and other followers of Jesus were gathered. You know what happens when God meets your need, and you, and you feel the peace of Christ fill your life? You're no longer downtrodden. You're longer no, no, discouraged. Now, they had a fresh move of the Holy Spirit in their life and they rushed back to where they came from to let everyone know what had happened. They wanted to be where the action was. Not that God isn't everywhere, but there's something about a gathering of believers where God can use the gifts of all believers to minister to the body. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about that. Man, you know, I was thinking about this. When this is over, And we are able to gather together as a church family again. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of chomping at the bit for that. Because God can do things in a corporate setting that is different from watching something at home. There's a dynamic that God's able to use in a corporate church setting that doesn't really translate that well to a home setting. And I've said this before, the reason that we gather together as believers is so that believers can interact with each other. And maybe you get a blessing or an encouragement from somebody else in church that day, not from the sermon so much, but maybe someone else ministers to you and gives you you a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom about your life, something that you really needed to hear. It doesn't happen online so much. That's why I say interact with people, talk and text while the sermon's going on. And when we get back together, I want to prepare this and think about this between now and when we are able to get together again, I want a time of testimonies. What God did for you during this, this quarantine. We think it's a negative thing right now and it's a drag. We don't want to be here. But rather than focusing on that, let's not miss what Jesus is doing. Let's not miss what God is doing in the middle of this and how lives are being changed, how our lives are being changed, how we're being made to push into God a little bit more than maybe we used to. And when this is over, we'll see the change in us and we'll see the change in society around us. Luke 24, 35 says this, then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they recognized him as he was breaking the bread. Don't look at the, don't look at the negative. Look at this as the time where God is working. We not, may not see it at this particular moment, We may experience it. We may see things that God does for us and encourages us. But as we see the big picture come out of this, we don't really know what God's doing. But in time, we're going to look back and see all the things that God was able to accomplish through this time. Let's see Jesus in the middle of this. Let's see Jesus, whatever this this pandemic is, let's see Jesus working. Let's focus on that. Not the storm. Let's see Jesus walking on the water. And remember that God is going to bring out something awesome through this if we continue to press in and allow our faith to grow and allow it to really minister to you. You know, one of the things, one of the I guess it's a blessing, is now that we have had as churches, everyone's now streaming. All churches everyone's streaming, everyone's putting stuff online because we can't get together. you know what what that does that allows the message to get out to maybe people who don't normally go to church now we stream our services normally on sunday you know following you know during the church and we broadcast it later on during the day but this could be a time where people who don't normally go to church are able to watch somebody whether it's us or another preacher they're able to hear the gospel people that may never have heard the gospel before who are now tuning in because every Facebook page has multiple churches streaming, which wasn't the case before. So God's already using a negative thing to bring more people in to hear the gospel. So that's what Jesus is doing right now. Let's look at the positive aspect. Let's see Jesus right in the middle of this. And whenever this is over, whether it's two weeks or whatever, God's already working. God's already at the conclusion of this. And we get to look back and see what God was doing during the time that we're pressing in and praying and trusting God to meet the needs we have upon our heart. I hope this encourages you. Uh, Let me do one thing before we close. As I said, maybe you're watching this show or this, this sermon and you've never been to church. You've never had a relationship with Christ in your life. You have no idea what we're talking about. This is the perfect opportunity to, I guess, try it out. You've never been to church, you've never prayed a prayer. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. That just means, give it a shot. Let God do something in your life. Allow him to minister to you, but you gotta wanna do it. And you know, the Bible says that we are, we're all sinners. We're all, we all fall short of what God's expectations of us are. And because of that, we can never have a relationship with him. We can never enter into heaven. We can't have a relationship with God one-on-one. Regardless of what you may hear, unless you've, we talked about this two weeks ago, unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God. You can't know who Jesus is. You can't know who God the Father is. And being born again simply means acknowledging the fact that we're sinners. We all sin. But the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That means we can't be with God. It also says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that simply means if I give you a gift, you have to take it. You can say the gift is there. Yeah, I know it's there, I believe it. But unless you take it to yourself, unwrap it, and apply it to your life, it doesn't help you. The gift of God is Jesus Christ. If you want to have your sins forgiven, if you want to have a right relationship with God, this is the perfect opportunity to do that. The Bible says today is a day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week, not when this is over, but today. And if you want to have a relationship with Christ, I want you to pray with me. You have to repeat after me. I want you to pray this prayer with me, okay? Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to take the penalty, the payment for my sin. I thank you that you raised him from the dead, because in his resurrection, you have guaranteed me of eternal life. I repent of my sins. I accept what Jesus has done for me as payment all the things that I've done. And I trust that His resurrection guarantees me now a place with Jesus for eternity. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you made a decision for Christ, if you really want to know more about this, if you're on the fence, if you want to ask me questions, please, feel free to reach out to us either through the website, our email, doverassembly at gmail.com. Call us, text us. The information is all on the website. We want to get together with you, give you some information to help you in your walk with Christ. The reason we're doing this is not only to feed our, our church family, but to be able to share what we've got, the gospel that we have, share that with you out in the world. We want you to experience the same joy we have. God bless you. Have a tremendous week, and we will see you here. Don't forget Wednesday night, seven o'clock, our quick devotional, and then next Sunday morning again, we'll bring you God's Word. Lord bless you. Have a tremendous week.